Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today we're diving into the latest developments for ESG reporting in the US, the latest SEC rules and what companies need to be considering. I'm delighted to be joined today by Hilary Eastman, who leads our ESG reporting team in the UK, and Anita Chan, who's an audit partner in our US firm. Hilary, Anita, thanks for joining me today. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, Phil. So let's kick off. Everyone's been patiently or maybe not so patiently waiting for the final version of the SEC's proposed climate rules to come out. Anita, what's the latest on that? And when can we expect there's going to be something to say on this? Well, Phil, you're absolutely right. Everybody is still patiently waiting here in the U.S. or not so very impatiently for the final version of the SEC's proposed climate rule. The SEC published a proposed rule back in March of 2022 and have received a significant amount of comment letters, over 4,000 unique responses to be specific, and have been working through them ever since. The closest public information that we have is that the SEC did publish their fall 2023 regulatory agenda back in December of 2023, and it's indicating that the rulemaking related to ESG has been pushed out into roughly spring and some into the fall of 2024. Specifically for the climate-related rule, the final um, rule is expected sometime in April, but certainly that's not a hard deadline with the SEC, and we're all keenly watching. With that said, we do think the timing is a lot more promising for the spring as opposed to the previous estimation and with some of the public statements that the chair himself have made or the commissioner um, we are expecting that some of the more contentious topic are being worked through right now as they move towards finalization and to quickly hit on those it would include whether scope 3 reporting is included or excluded how they're going to restructure the financial statement note disclosure in terms of the disclosure threshold or whether a materiality threshold would be put into place. Um, and finally, how interoperability would come into play because of the time lapse since they came up with the proposal. Certainly a lot of other regulations have come into play now. Hey, thanks, Anita. Hillary, the cybersecurity disclosure rule came out last summer. What, what do companies need to be reporting and thinking about on this topic? Yeah, yeah, this was a really big one um, too. So I'll keep it high level. In July, the SEC adopted the new cybersecurity risk management strategy, governance, and incident disclosure rule. So we'll call it the cybersecurity rule. And there is a specific part of the rule that's relevant to foreign private issuers so that they align their incident reporting and their disclosures with those of the US domestic public companies. So it's all on the same kind of level playing field. And what this means is that FPIs um, needed to report any material cybersecurity incidents on their form 6K, um, and that became effective in December last year. And so anytime they have an incident, they do need to make that disclosure. And then also in their form 20F annual reports, they need to disclose their cybersecurity risk management strategy and governance. And so this, was effective from 15th of December 2023. So for really financial years starting 2024, uh, companies will need to disclose that. Okay, let's jump back to uh, climate rules now. And and Anita, we're clearly looking at interactions between federal rules and and, and state rules as well. And and the state of California enacted a a suite of of climate laws late last year. Can you tell us a bit more about what those laws are about? And Hilary, maybe you could talk about why this matters so much for UK companies. 
Yeah, certainly, Phil, maybe I'll get started and cover a little bit of the basics of the laws, and then I'll pass it on to Hillary. So last October, California published three laws specifically related to climate disclosures. Um, first, there's one around GHG emissions reporting requirement as covered by what we call law SB 253, the Climate Corporate Data Accountability Act. And that's focusing on companies, both public and private, with over a billion dollar in annual revenue doing business in California would be in scope. The law requires disclosure of scopes one, two, and three greenhouse gas emissions to be reported, along with limited assurance over scopes one and two starting from 2026 and eventually arising to the level of reasonable assurance in 2030. The assurance requirement for scope three is still to be determined at the moment, um, but certainly uh, just like a lot of clauses within this law, a lot of final details are still being in the work. Um, the law is effective for the FY25 emissions for reporting in 26, and currently as estimated, right, it could impact as many as 5,400 companies around the world. Um, and we are expecting or hearing that other states might potentially follow suit similar to California, most notably with New York that we're watching. The second law is related to climate risk disclosures, which is addressed in what we call SB 261, Greenhouse Gases Climate Related Financial Risk. This probably is most similar to what many are familiar with sort of the TCFD-like disclosures. This is applicable also to U.S. companies who are both public and private, with over $500 million in annual revenue doing business in California would be in scope. The law does require climate-related financial risk and measures adopted to reduce and adapt the risk to be reported, and currently no assurance requirement is expected over those disclosures. And the first reporting of these disclosures is um, required on or before January 1st of 2026, and then it'll become a biannual reporting. Um, when the laws, interestingly, were signed by Governor Newsom, he, he did raise certain concerns about the cost of implementation um, in terms of the timeline. And so the California Air Resources Board, which is an organization that has been tasked through these laws to work through the operational details, like I mentioned earlier about defining and providing further specificity, um, the, he, they will be working on it closely. And KPMG has certainly been highlighting some of the um, news developments that we have um, been observing here in the U.S. Thanks, Anita. There's clearly been a, a lot of press around potential greenwashing risks and, and, and how that can be avoided. Maybe you could just say a few words around Voluntary Carbon Market Disclosures Act and, and, and uh, how that's dealing with the, that topic. Sure, Phil. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because out of the three laws that have been signed by the governor back, you know, in October, AB 1305 is one that focuses on the voluntary carbon market disclosures. And that's certainly one that's probably the closest to, you know, targeting global greenwashing enforcement trends. So just a high level, um, the law is intended to bring more transparency around usage of voluntary carbon market offsets, as an example, and also companies who might be making claims in the areas of, you know, net zero emissions or carbon neutrality. So the ask is basically for any companies that might be um, voluntarily selling or purchasing carbon offsets from California, as well as having some of those um, 
achievement claims related to emissions to have those disclosures available on their website, at least on an annual basis. And so the thinking is that by having transparency around carbon offsetting projects and strategies around achieving certain emission reduction goals, that will help drive the potential risk mitigation effort around greenwashing in this space. So with that, Hillary. That was a great summary, Anita. Thank you so much. But I guess this is a great example of where something, you know, where companies really need to be monitoring global disclosure and regulatory requirements, because this is something that I know a lot of companies in the UK kind of got caught off guard with, that suddenly there was this rule in California and there's a lot of UK multinationals that do business in California. So trying to figure out, are they subject to this and do they meet those revenue thresholds and therefore need to do the disclosures? So for a UK company uh, that's a multinational with a subsidiary in California or doing business in California, the revenue test of you know, over a billion dollars um, or 500 million, depending on which um, which one, which bill we're talking about, um, is at the U.S. subconsolidation level. So it's not the U.K. group level, uh, but that needs to be checked and monitored. And because a company meets the revenue threshold and is doing business there, then it does, um, it will be in scope um, and needs to do the disclosures and also, if necessary, the assurance. The good news is that this won't require um, for many UK companies preparing new disclosures, because as Anita said, you know, it's, some of this is very much like TCFD disclosures, which have been required in the UK for a couple of years now. So if a UK company is preparing TCFD disclosures, then they are most likely going to be already compliant with what California is expecting of them, and that information can be submitted to the state. The additional step would be getting limited assurance on those reports, um, or even reasonable assurance, um, which some companies do already. So, so you know, companies might already be complying with it. It's just a matter of making sure they submit those disclosures. Thanks. So, um, so a huge amount for, for companies to be thinking about there. Let's, let's turn to human capital management rules now. And, and Anita, this has been uh, awaited, but it's not quite out yet. C could you tell us more about when we can expect that and uh, what it's going to cover? Sure. Um, I mentioned earlier about the SEC's fall regulatory agenda that came out about a month ago. On there, they certainly have a series of ESNG-related rulemaking activities, right? And we certainly hit heavy on the E side earlier. So as it relates to S side, the human capital management proposal has also been sort of delayed a few times now. And the latest that they have signal is for a targeted release of April 2024. But like I mentioned earlier, certainly not a hard deadline. And in terms of, you know, what the proposal might entail, there, I don't think there's a clear picture. But what I can share is that, you know, based on some of the statements made by the chair, as well as some of the commissioners, is that they expect a bit more granular disclosures, right? The chair counselor himself um, was actually at London City Week um, back in June a couple years ago, and he actually started the project then and asked the staff to consider some of the more specific metrics to be added into the proposal potentially. That includes workforce turnover, skills and development training, compensation and benefits, um, health and safety statistics, and so on and so forth. So, you know, also similar to what Hillary was talking about as it relates to the final cybersecurity um, rule that recently came out, the chair did signal for a desire for a more expansive disclosure in the human capital space as it relates to governance, strategy, and risk management. Another one interesting that's on the commission's rulemaking activity agenda is 
the corporate board diversity rule. It's another proposal that's been anticipated. They did shift the deadline even further beyond the um, human capital proposal all the way to October of 2024. So we'll wait and see, but really the focus on it is, you know, to get more specificity and data around diversity of board members and nominees to board members. So certainly more to come in this space. Well, there's certainly uh, quite a bit going on by the sound of things, w w whether it's in the cybersecurity space where, where the rules are, are, are going to be in place for this year, state and, and federal uh, rules around ESG reporting, or some of these forthcoming changes as well. So a lot for companies to, uh, to stay on top of. I'm sure we could continue talking about this for quite a while, but unfortunately, that's all we have time for in, in today's podcast. It's been great chatting to you both. So thank you both very much. We've got many more great guests in future episodes who are passionate about high quality reporting, ESG and technology. So please do subscribe to our podcast to get alerted when new episodes are published. Thank you and goodbye for now. We can endlessly debate about our future, but now is the time to stop talking and start doing. ESG, environmental, social and governance, embeds positive impact into our actions, not just around climate change, but the whole fabric of society. At KPMG, we have the knowledge, ability and experience to guide business leaders to drive real change. ESG is now. Are you with us? Search KPMG ESG to find out more.